Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, the associate holding, notorious, Mikey Maximus, the Furnicus, Charette. Say what? What's up, Doc G? Associate Charette checking in. Mm. How's it going, sir? So, so <laughs> learned. So learned you are. Huh? My goodness. We are. We are. We're getting there. I, I turned a little into Yoda with that. So learned you are. Uh, out of 10, Mike. Out of 10. How are you? Yeah, like eight and a half, nine. Maybe like an 8.7.5. No, 8.75. Yeah, you, there's no points after that. You heard my transgressions <laughs> before we came on air. I'm not I'm, I'm not even going to front. I'm like... Yeah, uh, sorry, Doc G. I brought you down a little bit. No, no, no. It wasn't you. It was just I was, I was unloading on things that were just annoying me in life in general. Yeah. You know, I need to do some meditation. I need to breathe a little bit. So you true. Know? I need a little to, breathing. Yeah, I need to... I'm like at a seven now maybe 6.8 yeah. not not good you know like yeah, like i said yeah. i have a i have a small range and i'm at the bottom yeah. of that range <laughs> right now it's not it's not good but i will say i had a good response on steven adams it was, yeah it was solid it's solid yeah you'd say yeah a couple pictures got it got a picture or two you know uh i got a, i got a high five that was nice hey, yeah there we go i had a couple of people like hey, steven adams Huh? <laughs> hey, I'm like, yeah, that's me. You're right. Yeah. I'm playing in Utah. I'm going to get my kicked tonight by Utah. By the way, <laughs> they did. I don't know if you saw that, Mike. They, they did? Utah is just on a roll. I mean, this. Wow, is, they don't have Donovan Mitchell. Exactly. I'm, I'm they, like, they've got nobody. Okay. they got so nobody. The, I've, been, I've been texting Claude. I've been like, hey, Claude, uh, Utah is going to go 80 and 2. That's what their record's going to be. This that's my running joke. At the beginning of the the season, I started with eighty two and zero, and then they lost one game, and I was like eighty one and one. Now they're at six and two. They're going to go eighty and two. That's it. They're not losing. Do they have on anybody out. on their team? Do they have nobody any you've stars? heard of? Any, oh, okay. I mean, I can run down a couple of the people that you probably haven't heard of. Have you heard of Colin Sexton? Hmm. I've heard of Colin Sexton. Okay, he's on their uh, team. He, played, he was on the Cavs. There right? you oh, yeah, oh, go. Oh, there we go. Star. Star, Mike. Yeah. That's a star okay. for him. Lori Marketin. Right. Have you ever heard of Lori yeah. Marketin? There we go. That's it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's where that's oh, where I drop Olenek. off. Olinick. Have you heard of Olinick? The guy with uh he's got long hair down to about here. He always has it. Oh yeah. He, okay. He's on yeah, the team. He's on Okay. Jordan Clarkson. Do you know, remember Jordan, Jordan Clarkson? Definitely know Jordan Clarkson. Stars. Yeah, I think he was on the Lakers. Yeah. Star, right? They're yeah. star filled, Mike. You didn't know. They just got all there kinds of stars. Anyways, this turned into an NBA, an NBA show real <laughs> so quick. True. I do love the NBA, Mike, but I have yeah. some other information I need to talk about, yeah. which uh, I was cruising book reviews the other day because I'm cool. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. I was like, it's you know. Important. What kind of what kind of reads could I get into? <laughs> and uh, okay. I noticed that Bono has a new memoir coming out. Hmm. You know Bono, right? You too. Yeah, yeah. He's got a new memoir coming out called Surrender. Forty songs, one story. Word. Hmm. Came out. It, it came out yesterday. Came out yesterday. 
Now, uh, you're familiar, Mike. He's lead singer of U2. And, yeah. and for the folks that don't know out there, very successful, those guys. Very successful. I don't think we'll ever be able to. I don't want to say ever. It's going to be a while till we get them on the show, Mike. Um, yeah. <laughs> they've won tw never know. 22 Grammys. That's more than any other band in history. 22 Grammys. Wow. Yeah. Over 170 million albums sold. They mm. are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they were inducted the first year they were eligible, Mike. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Good for them. They've done a lot. They yeah, have yeah. they have done a lot. And uh, I was I was watching, uh, you know, he's done a lot of interviews now for this book because he came out, you know, and wants to pump it up. So he went on the Colbert show. That was the first time he went on Stephen Colbert uh, as like mm. a guest, you know. He did yeah. like, I think he did like a 60 Minutes interview too. Did a whole bunch of interviews. And he, he's Sunglasses the whole time? Yeah, it's like it's like the lighter sunglasses now, you know? It's like Oh, you can see his eyes a little bit. No offense to Bono, but it's like the old man glasses, you know? And sort uh, of like it's like the blue blocker shades, like he's, you know. <laughs> it's like the prescription ones that go exactly. up Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but you know, he he talked about a lot of things. He talked about like insecurity. Uh, he talked about uh imposter syndrome. He talked about his marriage troubles with his wife. Mm. Uh, he, he, he let folks know he's a huge Taylor Swift fan. Um, you know, whatever. Uh, but, Mike, I wasn't really interested in any of that. I was interested in one tidbit from the book that really, it, it took me back down memory lane of something okay. I hadn't thought about for a while. He talked about the release of the album Songs of Innocence hmm. from 2014. Do you remember that? No. Songs of Innocence? I'm sure you do no. when I say this. And some of the young bucks that are listening to the show won't remember this either. Uh, but when Songs of Innocence came out, here's what they did. They released an album, and they made Apple automatically download it to oh, every yeah. single Apple user. Yep. Literally. Every yeah. single Apple user got it. And you got it on your phone, and all of a sudden you said, what the heck? I didn't order this. Nope. What is this, right? Literally every Apple user woke up, and they had this U2 album on their phone, right? So, you know, I'm guessing if we've got any college students out there, they probably don't remember this, because this was, like, probably before they had a phone. So mm -hmm. just think about that, listeners. And, now, and, 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 and again, college student uh, folks, keep in mind, this was before you had streaming options. Your options were buying songs like on a thing of, of iTunes instead of a Spotify or Apple Music of just streaming and not owning those songs. So all of a sudden, you get this digital copy of an album uh, from U2, which initially sounds like a good thing, Mike. Right? That sounds like uh, a pretty cool thing. Yeah, it sounds right? nice. It sounds nice. Exactly. But when you find yeah. out it was like, their worst album they ever created. Oh. Not, so Not so great. Yeah. Like, it would have turned... I feel like this would have turned out okay if this were uh, a Joshua Tree. You know? Like, I don't know if listeners can remember, but there's some jams on Joshua Tree where the streets have no name. 
Still haven't found what I'm looking for. My God, those are some jams. Oh yeah, great song. I knew. I do know that song. I yeah, know. like if you're giving people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're giving people jams like that, they'll be fine with it. These yeah. were not those jams, Mike. Nope. Songs <laughs> of Innocence were not those jams. Like, do you know how many times I had my iPhone on shuffle in 2014? And those godforsaken songs from their album came on and just ruined all of my good vibes. I felt confused. I felt violated. <laughs> I wondered if somebody, if I'd brought this on myself. Like, you know. All the stages of grief. Exactly. <laughs> Turns out, I, you know, like, uh, most people didn't like this album, Mike. I was not alone. So true. Most people didn't like I mean, for again, for the folks that can't really wrap your head around this thing that happened eight years ago, imagine you find out McDonald's is delivering a free sandwich to every house in America. And you're mm. like, what? Dope. I love McDonald's. What do we have? Quarter Pounder? Big Mac and McDonald's is like no, fillet of fish. It's coming your way. Yeah. Like, oh, Jesus, that's not what I wanted. Nobody <laughs> wants that. This album was U2's fillet of fish, and they forced yeah. it on every single Ugh. person in America. Now, in the memoir, Mike, he apparently says everybody, including Tim Cook, at Apple, was like. Hey, this is a bad idea. Word. This, you shouldn't wow. do this. Like, he said that in a meeting, he proposed it to Apple executives, and he was like, hey, pay us for it, and then give it away free as a gift to people. Like when Netflix buys a movie and gives it away to their subscribers. That's mm -hmm. how Bono uh, 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 proposed it. Yeah. And, and Mr. Cook let Bono know, um... Yeah, it's not a real good idea. And uh, Bono was like, no, do it. And that's basically where Tim Cook gave up, right? And I, I, I just don't think Tim did a, <laughs> a hard enough job trying to convince Bono. I would have used his own analogy on Bono. I would have been like, Bono, I get what you're saying, man, but Netflix doesn't force subscribers to watch that movie. You're right. forcing them to download it. It's automatically yeah. making them to have the album. What mm -hmm. you're asking to do is like turning on Netflix and every single time you do, it automatically starts playing that movie version of Cats. Ew. Nobody yeah. wants to see that. It's horrible. No, it's a horrible movie, yeah. Do you actually watch it, Mike? No. Okay. I just, uh, you know, you read the, read you read the reviews. Plenty of you reviews. Didn't, yeah, you nobody saw plenty of memes. Ex all the hate. It, well, it just looks stupid. They just look, they just look, they just look The costumes look horrible. Like, there's one thing to go into a theater and see that. To see that on your small screen in your living room? No, nobody's bringing yeah. that into your small screen. Nobody. No, no, no. Uh, no. Nonetheless, Mike, that's how big U2 was at the time, though. Yeah. Apple, one of the biggest companies in the world, was like, all right, we'll give it to everybody. But also, he's got the glasses on, and he's—it's just more intimidating, you know. It's hard to—it's hard. To, he's got—he's he, hiding his eyes. Yeah. You know? so it's hard to say no to these guys, especially when it's Bono. Well, exactly, you know? exactly. And I was thinking of this, Mike. 
I do you think there's any way we could force our filet fish of a show hmm. on folks without their approval? Is there any way we could get Apple to do this with the Doc G show instead of a U2 album? Go to Tim Cook and be like, here's the plan. Me. Okay, but you have to be wearing glasses. Oh, <laughs> that is true, Mike. Now I'm writing it down. Glasses are essential. Intimidating. Yes. Sunglasses can't be. Yeah, I, I can't come in with some big old nah. Harry Carey glasses. Nah, no, 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 no. It's got to be dark, covering the eyes like poker. Big old, big old seventies yeah. glasses that cover like like eighty percent of my face. I like yeah. it. They also have to see their reflection in the glasses. This also probably adds to the psychology. So of they like see themselves. Them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mike, this is a bulletproof plan, and I am very excited about it. Our show. This is how you ask for a raise, too. You just wear uh, the glasses. And your boss is going to be like, Are you on heroin? Why do you have glasses on? And you're like, I'm a rock star. Give me more money. Give it to me. Okay. I, okay. I can't argue with that logic. We're going to have to get security to get this wacko out of here. So true. Mike, if we can get this done. I will be happy to write it about it in my memoirs in 20 years. I'll read it. I will say I regret it, but I'll also be like, you know what? It really helped the show out. People <laughs> people heard our show a lot more, you know? You know? I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. Do you know how to get in touch with Tim Cook, Mike? Is there a hmm. number we could call there? Tim, Tim at Apple.com. Okay. I'm going to try it. Tim at Mac.com. Yeah, Tim at... TC at uh, Apple. <laughs> I'm going to try all of those. I'm going to start... at Apple.com. I'm going to start with Tim. <laughs> Tim at Apple. Well, you're going to start yeah, simple. That, that's, that's the go-to, I think. Yeah, that would be the good first try. Start first simple. In the meantime, yeah. while we hunt down <laughs> Tim's information, you want to fire up the show, Mike? Let's fire up the show, Doc G. Whew. Let's fire it up. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Woo! We have a fantastic show. It's going to take us to an eight by the end of it, Mike. Yes. Uh, well, since you're already over an eight, it'll take you to a nine. <laughs> it's going to bring me up to an eight. We have a fantastic show Great artist, Mr. Barrett Davis. He just released his new album, The Ballad of Aesop Finn. We're going to talk about the album, uh, new music. We're going to talk about his family. But first, we need to start where we start. The birthday suit. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Mike, I think you can get this one. All right, cool. I'm not sure if you remember this feller's name. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Born on November 2nd, 1966 in Queens, New York. At a young age, his family moved to Los Angeles where he started acting around 10 years old. When he was 13, he went to a Shakespeare workshop put on by Sir Ian McKellen. Sweet. But even in high school, he was still planning on becoming a doctor, not going into theater. But a summer acting program at Northwestern University changed his mind. He ended up going to college at Northwestern and was in an improv group with Stephen Colbert. He had several mm. small ro roles on series like NYPD Blue and L.A. Law, but his big role came in 1994 when he was cast as Ross Geller on the show Friends. While on Friends, he was in several films like The Pallbearer, Kissing a Fool, Six Days and Seven Nights. 
During Friends, he actually ended up directing 10 episodes of the show as well. After Friends, he was uh, he was Melman, the giraffe, in the a- animated movie Madagascar. Yes! In 2016, he was cast as Robert Kardashian in the FX anthology American Crime Story. Great movie. About O.J. Simpson trial. He won a primetime Emmy for this performance. Name that birthday suit wearer. Uh, I don't know why. Like, obviously, you just I just instantly want to say Ross. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like, you know, you just That's him. Name. And then the second, re- second name I want to go with is David Duchovny, but of course that's not who I'm thinking of, but I don't know why that Got the, the first name right. David something. Yeah, yeah. David. S. Uh, There's an S. David's, I don't know. Don't I'm giving you 50%. 50%. All right. I'll David Schwimmer. David Schwimmer. Ah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the David Duchovny, there was. Uh, there was. Yeah. Like I said, 50%. There, yeah. David. And yeah. he, I mean, there's a little bit of resemblance. And just like the overall, like they both have sort of a depressed, you know, tone <laughs> yeah. usually. So yeah, yeah, like. Yeah. I could see it. I could definitely yeah. see it. David Schwimmer. David Schwimmer. I had a little bit of uh, uh, a little bit of like friends fun facts while I was uh, doing that one. Fun fact: David Schwimmer, only friend that was actually born in New York. Even though mm. I mean, he still moved to Los Angeles fairly early in life. He's the only yeah. one that was born in New York. He looks like he was born in New York. How is that? <laughs> like he looks like jo- a New Yorker. Joey and Matt Perry, both uh, both Massachusetts folks, mm. and then uh, and then Courtney Cox, Alabama. What? Alabama. Yeah, yeah, Alabama. And then she moved to Virginia and was in Virginia for a while. Youngest friend, Mike. Youngest friend is Jennifer Aniston. She's the mm. youngest out of the group. Fifty three right now. Uh, Lisa wow. Kudrow, oldest, fifty nine. 59 mm. for Lisa Kudrow. And uh, Matt Perry, Matthew Perry, actually second youngest. He's only he's only older by Jennifer Aniston by like a couple of months. But he looks oh, okay. way older because of all the, the drug rehab. Definitely yeah. put him through a lot. Definitely wore him down. <sighs> Anyways, this has nothing to do with that. This is David Schwimmer's day. Happy David birthday, Schwimmer. David Schwimmer. Turning yeah. the big 5-6 for David Schwimmer. Mm, Five, six. 56. Actually, Man, that is so crazy. Yeah, God, the, so the, crazy. Fr- the Friends folks, they're old now. It's crazy. Oh, it's man. It's wild to think of. And it's also wild to think of, again, in real life versus fake life there. In the in the show, Monica was supposed to be younger than uh, Ross. In real life, mm. uh, it's opposite. Monica is older than uh, Ross by two mm. years. Yeah, there you go. Anyways. Belisa Belisa Kudrow was still the older. oldest. Still oldest. <laughs> still oldest. Mike, are you ready to rip some headlines? Let's rip some headlines. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Mike, listeners of the show are aware you're not a fan of the idea of being on an island when a tsunami hits. No. Not that is at all. Uh, that is like your nightmare. worst, yeah, yeah, worst fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, this story that I'm getting ready to go into has nothing really to do with that. Word. There's a slight connection, <laughs> but I did, I did want to say, did you see the the study that uh, researchers at Michigan published like a couple of weeks ago about tsunamis, Mike? No, I don't think so. 
There was. Don't worry. This won't give you more nightmares because this was from <laughs> di- this was from dinosaur times. Okay. But they did. They they uh, did a simulation of the asteroid that wiped out all dinosaurs, right? Yeah. And where it hit, and uh, when the asteroid hit, it caused a tsunami a mile high. Yeah. When it started out, mm-hmm. a mile high. Yeah. Yeah. And by the time it reached the Gulf of Mexico, which was, you know, still hundreds and hundreds of miles away from where it started, it was still over a hundred meters high when it hit all of the coast of the Gulf of, of the Gulf of Mexico. Oh my gosh, that is terrifying. That, yeah. Mike. No, <laughs> thank yeah. you. Yeah, there was a Amazon documentary like the day it all ended or something. The di- the day the dinosaurs died, and they mm. they go over all the physics and all the uh, all the details. Yeah, and it's like I think the tsunami gets all the way into ah, uh, like even Chicago. Like it goes all the way. Oh my gosh! It just yeah. Yikes! Yeah. Yikes! Basically, as soon as that thing rocked the world, everything on the world was like, hey, I think that signifies something bad just happened. Yeah. Is that, I think, yeah, we're screwed? Was, I'm going to rewatch that documentary. That was awesome. Just to way. give yourself nightmares? Okay. Yeah, I uh, need it. I need what? that nightmare uh, fuel. Like I, I said, this is not about tsunamis, Mike. This is actually about the thing that frightens me more on Hawaii, volcanoes. Oh, yeah. Volcanoes. Over mm. the weekend, officials in Hawaii issued a warning to the residents of Big the Big Island that the world's largest active volcano, Mauna Loa, has been giving signals that it may erupt. Ooh, that's not good. No. Oh god. No. That's not good. But the Civil Defense Agency of Hawaii said, quote, not to panic everybody. They have to be aware. If you live on the slopes of Mauna Loa, there's a potential for some kind of lava disaster, end quote. (laughs) Some kind of lava disaster, Mike. Hmm. I don't want to be a part of any lava disaster. No, no, I'm good. Like, like they make it sound like it's going to be something mildly upsetting for a couple of minutes. Like oh oh you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to go into that bathroom. There's been a bit of a bathroom disaster. That's not what a lava disaster is, Mike. No, no it's not like that. No. It will melt you alive. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Hor- if if I was a fo- uh, somebody near Mauna Loa, I'm out. I'm yeah. not an expert, but I am out. No, I'm out. I'm down. I'm they- like, yeah. They Leave talked it. to several people, and they didn't seem too concerned either. They were like, eh, it's probably going to be inconvenience." Like uh, The old Hawaiian cut. laid back, well, you know, we'll just... Mm-mm. Oh. Not laid back for me. I'm not getting nope. anywhere close to that lava. No lava is uh, frightening. Even slow-moving lava <laughs> is just yeah. frightening. I don't... Then, I've Get been to the, to uh, well, I went to Vesuvius. What's the uh, town there? I mean, I can't believe I, I'm forgetting the name of it right now. But Pompeii? Uh, Pompeii, yeah. I did a tour of Pompeii, and uh, no way. Yeah, you don't want to be those no people. Way. No way. No. Yeah. You don't want to be frozen in life, wiping <laughs> in the middle of a bathroom <laughs> yeah. visit, and then just rocked with a, uh. lava, a lava disaster. Yeah. Oh, hey, guys, it was a little bit faster lava disaster Not than good. we thought. Whoops. Yeah. Yikes. Anyways, folks, I'm like I said, I'm not an expert, but if you're near it, I would say get out. <laughs> Leave until that is no longer 
a lava disaster impending. Mm. Anyways, um, Mike, <laughs> Yahoo News released a story about a woman who went to the Dominican Republic for a Brazilian butt lift. Word. Yep. That sounds yep. like a bad idea. Yeah, right? Uh, I think you could already hear, you could already see that that wasn't going to turn out well. Um, but apparently, this girl found a doctor on Instagram again. Probably, probably a, not a good decision. I mean, doctor on Instagram, doctor in Dominican Republic, and you were like, "Let's go for it!" Like, so the girl goes to the Dominican Republic. Uh, she has lipo, a tummy tuck, and a Brazilian butt lift for three thousand five hundred dollars. Hmm. Again, not, not enough. Not enough. Nope. So, like, I mean, just just stop there. This girl is like, of course, I'll go to another country. Pay a shady Instagram doctor a very low amount of money and trust he either won't mutilate me or murder me. Yeah, that sounds good. Like, what? All for a bigger Like, what? Come on, man. So she gets back to the United States, uh, does a post-op physical, which let's stop again and say... I guarantee she did not do a pre-op physical. That's a fact. Because uh, if a doctor in the U.S. would have heard this, they would have been like, no, you're not going to Dominican Republic to do do that. that. That's no. But anyway, she goes to the doctor. They do some blood work, which leads to a CAT scan and the realization that she now only has one kidney. You know what? Wow. What? Yeah. What? Oh yeah, so, my gosh! So they they swipe they swiped a kidney from her. Oh they, my gosh, that is sw- insane! They swiped a kidney, so I'd say they ended up making a good amount more than three thousand five hundred dollars. But you know who knows? Oh Who's, my gosh! Uh, you know, which I'm just saying again, probably not the best decision. You know, to get a butt lift. You know. Hmm. Now, I will say with a grain of salt, Mike. Didn't see that coming, uh, Doctor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> didn't see that coming. I will say that Yahoo seemed to grab this story from a YouTuber. Hmm. So I don't know if it's true at all. Could just be completely made up. But ah, so we don't have the doctor's handle. No, but uh. the Yahoo News was pretty confident about putting it out there. So, you know. Oh well. Uh Mike, a little bit of a frightening one out of Arkansas. Uh, about two weeks ago, state troopers pulled over a man on a motorcycle around 1.18 a.m. because he had no visible, a visible license plate. Uh, when they were walking up to the motorcycle, the man pulled off and uh, pulled off the side of the road and took off at 100 miles per hour, right? Uh, so they had to go on a chase. Right. And uh, when, when he got pretty far away from the cops, he stopped the bike, jumped off, and ran into a residential area. Hmm. The cops chased him down, and as one of the cops is chasing him down, he uh, shoots him with a taser gun. You know, good option. I would right. say much better For than sure. the uh, regular gun. Yeah, we're you know? making progress there. Yeah. yeah, and he shoots him with the taser gun. The taser barb hits the guy, and he exploded into a ball of flames. Jeez. Literally. Ooh. Instantly. Shoo. Boom. 
And you can just hear from the body cam footage the cop being like, he's on fire. He is on fire. Oh, <laughs> like, man. He does not know what to do. Now, quick note. The guy has been taken to the hospital. He's expected to be okay. That's so, good. That's there good. you go. That's good. But here's the weird part, Mike. They found out the man had one gallon of gasoline in his backpack. Huh? And that's why he exploded into flames. Oh, uh, yeah. He had a gallon of gas in a book bag. Well, Doc G, it's now, like worth thirty dollars. Like, Arkansas State Police. <laughs> I I don't even know how you carry it. Like, what does he have? Like a plastic bag in there? Like a gallon bag with it? Like, what do yeah, you got? Like you got a, like like a hiking backpack. You just put the gas in the yeah, thing. Yeah, a little camel pack. <laughs> you got a little... Arkansas State Police said the man. Uh, they they quoted that after leaving the motorcycle. He never stated he was ca- carrying accelerant in his backpack. Hmm. Which I've got so many, like, the story <laughs> fascinated me, Mike. Like, first of all, why would you have the gallon of gas in your backpack in the first place? Right, for, for sure. Why? Second, why wouldn't you take it off when you started running from the motorcycle? Like... It's not like you're going to be drinking the gas in the getaway. Like, woo! Okay, I'm feeling better now. <laughs> like, there's nothing you're going to use that gas for. So, like, just drop it, man. Yeah. Se- second, like, I do like how the cops had to let it be known that he never said he had a gallon of gas. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, we did not know he had a gallon of gas. Like, which, which does make you think... Like, wouldn't this dude probably want to say something? Like, knowing the way cops typically ask or typically act in these situations, don't you think that he'd be like, hey, hey, I got a, I got a bag full of bomb juice. Do not shoot anything <laughs> at me. Please, please don't shoot anything. Lastly, Mike, just imagine what that cop was thinking that fired that taser gun. Ooh, Yikes! Yeah, that has got to put you in a nervous sweat real quick. When uh, all of a trying sudden to do the sh- right thing, yeah, kaboom! Oh <laughs> Jesus, no! Yo, that is bad. Should have shot him. <laughs> that is bad. Um, Mike, sad news out of Iran. Sad oh. news: the world's dirtiest man has died at the age of ninety-four. Hmm. Uh, a man known around his neighborhood as Uncle Haji. Uncle Haji apparently hadn't eat, uh, hadn't washed himself in decades. Decades. Uh, he uh, apparently Uncle Haji avoided eating fresh food or bathing himself because he believed if he did either, he would get sick. And apparently for years, decades, it worked, you know? Yeah. It worked. And some villagers tried to wash him in a nearby river several years ago. They were like, all right, you dirty old man, we're throwing you in the river. But instead, he threw himself out of the car before they got to the river. They, like, put him in a (laughs) car, they were dry, and he was just like, ah, and just dove out of the car to get out of uh, washing himself. Nice. But... Uh, uh, here's what I don't like about this story, Mike. Uh, they apparently, they say in the story, 
Locals in the area all treated him and his condition with respect. Word. Understanding that his fear of getting sick was the reason he avoided water. Then, literally like the next sentence, they say, then, uh, a few months ago, villagers successfully gave Haji a wash. What? What? So you're telling me they washed him? They washed him, even though after all of he, all he said and what he believed, and then not long after that, literally a couple months later, he dies. Lame. Come on. Come on. He was correct. Yeah. He was correct, villagers. Washing killed him. Yeah. Washing killed It may have been all psychosomatic, but guess what? You still killed him, villagers. Pretty much. You, you, you were the ones. They were like, the villagers totally respect it, but you know what? We're still gonna throw you in the river. Yeah, yeah it's still, it's still. His body happen. didn't have the defense. They could couldn't defend against uh, exactly. you know, the river particles it, it, or whatever. Then a little <laughs> insult to injury. The last two sentences are: Haji was unmarried. His funeral was held Tuesday evening. Girl, come on. I mean, by that point in the story, Mike, I don't think they need to tell us he was unmarried. Yeah, they don't need to say that. That's they, rude. They, uh, <laughs> There's a I lot mean, of people that are unmarried that pass away. You well, know? Yeah. I mean, and they didn't mention the world's dirtiest woman hanging out with him for decades. <laughs> so, like, I'm not expecting, like, you're not expecting some very clean lady sitting beside him like, my husband just won't clean himself. But, you know, to each his own, we're sort of a yin and yang here, you know? Like, but instead, they're like, he's unmarried. Yeah, we get it, all right? And, and the villagers killed Uncle Haji. So, R.I.P., Uncle Haji. R.I.P. Rest in peace, sir. Amen. Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back. We are going to hear from our guest, Barrett Davis, right here with his fantastic song, Highway 64. Mystic Valley of the Celtic Hill Cloaked in isolation with a hunger to distill and all my labor if it ain't nothing more Ground running down at Jug of rot gut wine, gracious adoration for the hollow and the swine. Heavy hand of order reaching out to seize its time.
here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Mike, hmm. what do the listeners need to do? Follow the show. Subscribe mm-hmm. to the show. Mm-hmm. Rate the show. Mm-hmm. Give us a good rating. We love that. Yeah. We appreciate it. I'm not going to lie, listeners. Our, our, our listens have dipped a little bit. Mm. They dipped over the, like the last two weeks. I'm constantly, as you know from my interviews, I'm constantly looking at numbers because I'm an anal ass. Mm. All right, and so I'm gonna look at them a bunch. And guess what? They haven't been doing so well. So if you get a chance, just just stream the show a couple of times. Just click play like 17 times. Make me feel yeah. a little bit better. You yeah. know? Oh, oh my God! Look at that! Oh, look at. <laughs> Yeah, Birmingham, Alabama. It was like a 700 listens this week. Yeah. What? That's crazy. There we go. Just give me some of those. Just, fall asleep it, to the show, you know? You can fall exactly. asleep to Put it. Put it on mute. Put it on mute. You don't even have to listen like a to us. white noise in the back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or you just a little back yeah. a little background. Either mm-hmm. way, just make mute. us just yeah. It's all about a false sense of security, listeners. That's what we're exactly. talking about. That's we what we just, need. We want to just feel good. Mm-hmm. And for those folks that constantly make us feel good, Mike, we need to shout them out. We appreciate it. Shout them out. Yeah. Here we go. Shout out. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Frankfurt, Germany, Anoka, Minnesota, Ashburn, Virginia, Piracai, Brazil, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Boardman, Oregon, Genoa, Italy, Richardson, Texas, Barcelona, Spain, Winfield, West Virginia, Bluxy, Mississippi, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Peoria, Illinois, Katy, Texas, Toms River, New Jersey, Olive Branch, Mississippi, Asheville, North Carolina, and Los Angeles, California. One breath, Mike. Nice. Woo, that was tough. I really had to push out Los Angeles, California. <laughs> but uh, congratulations to all the regular listeners. You have won the award of being regular listeners. Yes. We have nothing else for you other than you get to hear us every single week, and we get to have you as listeners. We both win. Mm-hmm. We both win, Mike. Thank you, and you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mike, semi-regulars, we got some interesting ones here. Are you ready? Yes. Shout out out to Lewiston, Idaho, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, New York, New York. Mike, you're familiar with this one. Las Vegas, Nevada, Chicago, Illinois, Seattle, Washington, Leipzig, Germany, Malmo, Sweden, Green, New York, Amman, Jordan, Indianapolis, Indiana. Riga Lati uh Lat- oh, sorry <laughs> screwed that one up. Riga Latvia, Bainbridge, Georgia, Rhodes, Greece, Spartansburg, South Carolina, Knoxville, Tennessee, and I guess sometimes it's a little weird on the analytics, but it gave me a specific borough. I guess when they say New York, New York, they're just saying Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Cuz I never see Manhattan, so I'm guessing that's the case. But we also have Brooklyn, New York. Yes. So Shout out to the other borough there. All right. Yeah. All right. Shout out to all the semi-regulars. We appreciate it. We do. Getting some interesting ones there in, in Europe there, Mike. Getting yeah. Le- Leipzig, Germany. And yeah. to our uh, our German listens. We appreciate Sweet. it. We appreciate it. Mike, miscellaneous file here. Yes. Miscellaneous file. Um, we were just talking about uh, dreams. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about how you needed a little bit of some scary dreams. Yeah, and I, and I had a weird occurrence the other uh, night. It, it I've had this happen before. So I wake up in the middle of the night, just a normal wake up, you know. Yeah. I wake up. I realize I need to pee, 
and I go to the bathroom to pee, and as I'm peeing, I start reviewing my dream that I was having before I woke up, you know? You're still sort of in that, like, where what? And I started realizing it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't, I wasn't afraid when I woke up. You know, it was not a. I woke up heart pounding. Oh God! But yeah. then I started thinking about it in my head, and I was like, "That's a f- what? What the f- am I thinking about?" Because in the dream, I was being pushed on a gurney through a dark hospital oh, that was pretty much empty, and there were unidentified people in the shadows with those creepy. LED purge mask on that, uh, that like it would a just Dominican Republic by chance it, uh, exactly <laughs> I was getting a butt lift and it went all wrong Mike it went all wrong but like I was just like oh my god if that was real I would have instantly crapped my pants and passed out like so true but for some reason it didn't even register it was so hmm. weird I was just like oh yeah that was terrifying why like but as i was going through the dream it was just like check crazy insane people in the corners yes uh isolated hospital of course like (laughs) it was just like it was so bizarre have you ever done that mike uh no but it makes you wonder like how often are your dreams like terrifying you just wake up and just you just totally forget you just don't yeah well yeah well i was just like why didn't that register what's wrong with my brain that i'm just like eh? anyways yeah oh wait i'm scared of those things whoops (laughs) whoops mike this is this is another tiny thing but i wanted to check to see if this ever happened with you uh the other day i'm wearing basketball shorts and i'm getting ready to do some physical activities so I pull the draw the drawstrings to tie myself up. Right. And unbeknownst to me, at some earlier point in the day, a drawstring had traveled into my underpants and around the old rod and tackle. You know, oh. the old Yeah. Yeah. And so I pulled the drawstring up and for a split second it feel it felt like somebody was trying to hang my you know? <laughs> And it's a frightening experience for a split second. You're like, ah, no. Oh, it's just the draws. Okay, whoops. I don't know. Has that ever happened to you? It's- um, I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure. It's terrifying. Yeah. Make sure- it's, uh, I feel like that Make- would be a nice sensation, though, Dr. G. For me, I don't know. It's, a, I'm, I'm it's, exil- it, it's exhilarating, <laughs> but it's also a little terrifying. It's one of yeah. those things. You're living on the edge there. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're just like, what's going on? Oh, oh okay, okay. It's yeah. the drawstring. Yeah. It's just the it drawstring, was, yeah. Just saying, watch out, listeners. Just make sure those drawstrings don't go where they're not supposed to. Yeah. It can get, it can get you frightening. Don't cut off circulation anywhere, you know. You do, you know oh, I, yeah. yikes. Kill. Yikes. That sounds even worse. I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. Mike, Jeez. are you ready for some quick hitters? Quick hitters. What's up? What's happening? Mike, here's a headline from CNN Travel. Hmm. CNN Travel. This goes into our our Doc G Top 3 here, actually, a little bit. Here's the headline. Quote, how to survive a cobra bite. Or better yet, avoid one entirely. End quote. Hmm. Mike, I'm going to go with the fairly obvious answer here, and it would be don't go near a cobra. Yes. Don't go near a cobra. I, I can make a pretty short article on that one. Avoid countries with cobras. Yes. The end. That's it. The, that's it. That's all you got to do. But, you know, they wrote a whole article. They wasted some time on it. 
So there Sweet. you go. Mike, headline, uh, quote, the tomb of Santa Claus has been discovered in Turkey. Huh? It's a headline. What? Yeah. The tomb? Yeah. He's not dead. He's alive. He's making toys. I'm just saying, Mike, if any listeners are looking to ruin the life of a seven-year-old, I can send this link of this article to them. Now, just keep in mind, listeners, they need to be pretty advanced readers for seven. I mean, you've got words like discovered. You got words like tomb. So don't waste your time showing it to like a five-year-old. Yeah. But if you want to ruin like a seven-year-old's life, yeah. Show them this. I'm not condoning it, Mike. I'm just saying that could be a possibility. <laughs> was it decorated? Was there like, was there tinsel on it? Were there it was a, it was a, it was a gingerbread house. <laughs> it's a gingerbread. That was the tomb. Yeah. <laughs> just and he was he was decked out in all his gear as a mummy. It's a terrifying, horrible nightmare for oh, a child. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, actually, uh, if you don't know, Mike, it was literally there was a Saint Claus. That was what they're saying. There was a famous St. Claus back in the day who was known for his generosity. Mm -hmm. He would give to everybody. And he wore uh, green, right? It was a green guy. He he, he didn't wear red. Red was Coca-Cola. He was Green Goblin. Yeah, the Green (laughs) Goblin. (laughs) Anyways, Mike, here's one. Could be one of my favorite favorite, uh, headlines. Here's, uh, Here's a headline from the Washington Post. Quote, Pope urges priests and nuns to delete porn from their phones. Hmm. Yes. This need to be said. Yes. Two things on this one, Mike. First, normally a demand like this doesn't come out of nowhere. (laughs) There was was an incident, and I want to know the incident, Mike. I want to... Hey, Fernando. Here you went on vacation with your extended family. I did. I did. It was lovely. I actually have a video from it. Hold on. Let me let me show you. Oh, no, that's some porn I downloaded. Hold on. Hold on. It's a... It's a oh, more porn, porn I downloaded. I uh, swear yeah. it's on this phone, guys. I swear. <laughs> I just got so much porn. Anyways, I'll find it. Like, oh, man. Not Second, the, or, or third, Mike, the, the other thing. I know the Pope said priest and nuns, and he was probably being, you know, just fair... Yeah, but how how many nuns are cranking out porn? I I want to. I didn't think they even had phones or could even do technology stuff. I just I want to. I just want to get the statistics on that. Like I mean, I like I would be way more taken back by Mother Teresa's encyclopedia of porn than like a pervy (laughs) priest. It makes much more sense when you hear a pervy priest. You know? Yeah. Just saying. Uh, Mike, headline again from Washington Post, quote, avian flu wiped out more than 6 million turkeys. Mm. I want to send out a congratulations, Mike, to the ones that survived. Yeah, But I got bad bad news. Your November is going to be way worse than avian flu. Oof. (laughs) True. (laughs) Good point. Thanksgiving. Yeah. They're getting murdered. Massacre. Uh, lots of them. <laughs> Way more than six million. Uh, Mike, scientists have been shocked by evidence that, quote, a black hole burped up stars years after they had eaten it. What? That's not possible. Yeah, apparently it is. Wow. Apparently it happened, Mike. 
We have to change. But I mean, not a little bit there. Something. Not not to get into semantics, Mike. Yeah. But I hate to tell the scientist when a black hole shoots something out after eating it, that's not burping. Mm-hmm. Nope. Ooh. It's not burping. What would you say? What would be a better term? Oh, true, it's, true, true. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, situation. it's a black hole. It's a yeah. black hole, and they already ate ah. it. It's coming out. Come on now. <laughs> Come on. Mike, Gosh. we're going to take a break. We are going to be right back with the one, the only Barrett Davis right here on the Doc G Show. Doc G Show, because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today we have a fantastic songwriter who has just released his new album, The Ballad of Aesop Finn, Mr. Barrett Davis. Barrett, how are you, sir? I'm doing awesome, thanks. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. How's everything in the uh, the mountains of uh, North Carolina? Is it uh, getting chilly up there yet? Yeah, it's starting to get chilly. We're uh, working on an A-frame right now. I'm kind of enjoying the last few months of, or a few days of warm weather right now so <laughs> it's been pretty nice but i know it's it's coming because we had a pretty good cold snap yeah for sure well now you just released the album been a long time coming but it's been out for about three weeks now uh and like i said it, it's it's been building up for years for you how's it feel to finally have it out in the world now it feels really good um there's been a lot of tension for me trying to get it out. Um, definitely feels like a relief after uh, the Kickstarter is over. Yeah. And, the, and we're at the tail end of the press campaign. So things are definitely not as stressful right now. Yeah. Uh, really been enjoying the, the relaxation and just kind of having having that done. <laughs> I'm really excited about getting to see it hit other stations. and Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're getting ready to do a radio push too. But... Um, I was doing it with, uh, I think, Bill Wentz, and huh. so we're going to wait till January. Nice. Because of Christmas. Yeah. yeah, we don't want us to spoil that, so we're going to start radio promo in January, and it should be coming to a lot more folks then. Very nice. Very nice. Well, now, because it's your your first album, I'd say most of our listeners aren't familiar with you, uh, and so just... For uh, for the folks out there, you grew up in Western North Carolina, uh, and obviously it's a place where uh, Appalachian music runs deep. Uh, I mean, in North Carolina in general, you got Doc Watson and Earl Scruggs, old school guys like that. You got new artists like Town Mountain and Steep Canyon Rangers, and your dad was a guitarist. So it, it's obviously been around you your whole life. But, but how did you actually get involved in sort of that style of music? When did you start 
you know, playing and, and taking it serious, that kind of deal? Um, yeah, my involvement was mostly just uh, spec- spectating, mm-hmm. especially youth. Um, as far as actual participant participation goes, I, my mother was always t- teaching me some piano here and there, mm-hmm. uh, kind of trying to get me to learn uh, music theory and just basic kind of skills with that. And then some choir stuff. She always, she was always big into that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really start picking tunes until I was 14. I started out on drums at 12. Um, and that, that brought about 14 is when I started picking with dad and started getting into guitar arts, you know, gotcha. All the, all the different artists and that, you know, I kind of probably took dad by surprise cause I was always playing mountain music. Uh, dad was always playing blues. Um, but I learned how to play his blues perfectly. I mean, he would, he would play and, and take us to the Greystone Inn, mm-hmm. like a pretty high end, uh, local restaurant with like, you got people like, uh, um, you know, Cliff Williams from ACDC kind of listening to you cause he's like a regular there. He loves nice. to give you dinner. So, I mean, stuff like that made me really nervous, but I would just sit there and kind of learn how to play by ear yeah acoustically uh definitely helped with uh with you know playing mountain music but it i always ended up steering steering the sounds away from bluegrass and kind of just into these like rhythms and stuff which you know dad's arc is kind of like marshall tucker or riders of the purple sage or something so a little bit more southern rock in there a little bit more blues in there yeah yeah yeah. What, so was it? I, I guess it wasn't until more of when you were in Foxfire that it became more uh, old time, sort of tinged. Yeah, yeah. Actually, our first bands in high school were even uh, covering rock tunes and uh, lots of classic rock sounds, southern rock sounds. A uh, little bit of uh, some like the Killers and things like that. Uh, just kind of eclectic new new age rock. And yeah. Then, uh, I guess we had a whole bunch of songs and started putting them on these little, like demos and albums. Growing up in high school, and, so uh, so you saw when you were when you were twelve ish, like you said, you started out on the drums. That was more of you saw yourselves saw yourself more as Lars Ulrich than you did uh, going yeah. anything old school, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I used to play along to uh, all the first Beatles records and Rolling Stones and ACDC because that was pretty easy to play too oh yeah uh, yeah I, I got i got real into it uh wasn't until i broke my arm that i started playing with stringed instruments because i thought like that feels good you know that stretch yeah and i wrecked this wrist so I, yeah i started getting into that and just uh, <laughs> a little occupational make, therapy all right <laughs> <laughs> well so like i mentioned you know after um uh, it was after high school, like you said, you had those sort of classical, classic rock, sort of rock-driven bands. You you have Foxfire, uh, which is it, it's like a a, a folk band. Uh, Aaron Aiken, Clint Roberts, you guys had some big moments. You got to play Merle Fest. You had some popular songs, uh, Heading Home, Lumberyard. Now, obviously, you grew up uh, you grew up with this music around you. But did you see Foxfire always being, like, when you guys started, did you see yourselves, like, that was the general goal, was like, hey, we are doing old-time music? Or was it like it morphed into that as you went? Um, 
with that group, I think because we were already in involved in rock sounds, we just decided that they were we were cutting a lot of tunes that could be great acoustic tunes. Okay. And so we kind of took it to a kind of like a new grass yeah. kind of feel. It, that's definitely the direction. We even bought a mandolin, I think, for my brother to play. And then my brother was like, I want to do some uh, some hip-hop music and stuff, so I'm going to be busy. And that, that got kind of random because my brother, he could play pretty good mandolin. Mm-hmm. And then uh, our guitarist ended up playing the mandolin so often that he was like, I kind of really love it. And then we became a four-piece. Yeah. Like, I guess we're an acoustic band now. So. Mm. Well, now, uh, I, I, I tell a lot of folks when uh, uh, artists that we have on the show from Nashville, you know, everybody from Nashville is sort of like that underco- uh, undercover talent. It doesn't matter who you talk to. All of a sudden, they'll pull out a guitar, and they're amazing, or they'll pull out, you know, whatever instrument, and they're amazing. And I, I feel like Asheville and the scene around Asheville just in Western North Carolina is sort of the same way with folk music. Like, I mean, there are jams that can take place at any little place, you know, people pull out a fiddle and just be amazing. Like, once you started segueing into sort of that world, you know, as far as playing more of that music, was it a little was it a little intimidating going to those areas, knowing you have some of those... You know, some of those old-time pickers that have been going for 30, 40-plus years, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, growing up here, you got you got folks who could just smoke anybody yeah. on an instrument. It's mm-hmm. insane. Nashville's a little bit similar. Um, last, Actually, I got more intimidated recently than ever because we did a session for my cousin who's producing his album through uh, Welcome to 1979. Mm-hmm. So that studio and they've got analog everything great 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 session artists uh brad pemberton was doing the drums he's from uh the cardinals and and now he plays for steve and the dukes yeah and then the session bassist and i was i'm just like trying to keep up with electric guitar i've never like played these songs in in probably a couple years yeah so i haven't seen my cousin in, in months and yeah i mean that was uh Kind of, kind of fast moving stuff, you know. It's hard, it's hard to keep up still. <laughs> for, sure. for sure. Well, now, uh, I mean, we, we we talked a little bit about it. Like you were you were playing sort of that classic rock and and whatnot, getting into music like that. And I mean, obviously, when you look, especially when you first started playing music, I, I wouldn't say that any type of sort of you know that Appalachian vein was really in super popular music at that time like back you know 15 years ago or so but now you've got you've got people out there that do have that to a degree that are pretty popular like when you look at a tyler childers or a sturgill simpson or a benjamin todd you know you've got these guys that have that that tinge and that's what they do they are more singer songwriters but i was wondering do you sort of see yourself in that vein when you see where you're career is going or do you say no nah, I'm, I'm something i'm something i mean obviously you're different you're your individual but do you see it uh in like sort of similar sounds and whatnot oh yeah definitely um for this first record i had a lot of tunes that were um you know really meshed well with just bluegrass mm-hmm. um and i noticed some of them don't really have all of that same 
feel. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, a big part of me that wrote these songs from a, an influence of like the European folk er- era of like the 2000s, you know, mm-hmm. or American. I don't know. But it's to me, it's mostly like this indie folk kind of feeling. Yeah. And I just, my wife's from Europe. We spend so much time in Europe and I still listen to them too over there. Um, so a lot of a lot of parts about this last record that I had, uh, I was just thinking about in production. My best friend is like a an indie rock, you know, producer. Mm-hmm. He's amazing at it. Mm-hmm. So I I cut that with him to to just see kind of what we got mm-hmm. and just hired all the sections that I wanted that were freaking amazing. Like some of them play. Uh, Derek plays the keys like just from across any genre you want of Americana or jazz. I mean, but just in general, like country as well. I had to grab him because like he could literally play anything from nice, nice. On yeah, so just kind of meshing that. I guess right now it's it feels like it's a like a indie bluegrass and folk record. Yeah, and. uh Add some of the country notes in there, and I think for the next stuff, like what I've got coming forward, um, it's definitely going to be more of that maybe mainstream folk rock sound gotcha. combined with some of the shaky graves kind of feelings okay. uh, for a couple of songs that I've written, which those are just more simplistic tunes that I wrote when I was 17, and I thought, you know what, I want to take that part of myself that time and put that in this record and like, you know, take my current age you know spin on it yeah you know so it actually does help a lot because i've i've asked friends uh after playing a couple of these songs for them and they're just like these are just songs and i think it's just really that they're palatable and uh and i'm excited about the next record as well because some of the not so palatable songs i've Mm -hmm. got some seriously plans for just to rock them out nice i really want like a a front present vocal for this next album something that just really like kicks in and that's kind of the that's kind of the you know more modern uh outlaw country that's going on for sure just nice nice open space to hear that instrument piercing through as well as the vocals like yeah yeah some of those vocals on these records that are coming out nowadays are just like you know, really authentic. Oh, so. that's what I love about Tyler Childers is that that it, his voice you you feel it so much. And I mean, I would say the same thing to a degree, a, a different style, but I feel it sort of Cody Jinx as well, a real good uh, way there. He's a little bit yeah. different, but still at the same time, yeah, definitely for sure. And that Benjamin Todd, not nearly as famous as those guys, but man, is his. I I, I probably feel his voice more than anybody's as far as that sort of genre um honestly Wendy was good for this last record because of the the way we recorded it in like bedrooms and like just like makeshift studio crap yeah uh, being at 1979 in nashville made me realize a few things about the uh and also at echo mountain last spring uh both of it made me realize the importance of grabbing a studio with some of those analog preamps like amazing stuff mm-hmm. especially like historical preamps that they've just rebuilt mm-hmm. and resold and they they strictly use those and I, I like that i like each individual instrument having this crazy sonic space that's 
pretty organic and can't really be disturbed. It's that or, organic, but you can bring it to the forefront and you can make it its own entity in the song. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. With their equipment, it just, like, punches straight through. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned earlier, as far as talking about, like, taking those old songs, it's funny. We actually were just talking to a songwriter a couple weeks ago, and it, it is, I think a lot of times you you have that older song, you write it, and it's like you don't know the ending to your own story. But then you you come back to it a decade later and you go, wait a second, this is what I was saying. And it may just be because you have a different perspective on it because you're older, or it may be because you learned something in the meantime that, you know, of what it actually means. So it really does, it takes on this whole new appreciation and a whole new uh, outlook as far as the song. So I always think that's really cool for, for songwriters to do. For, uh, oh yeah, definitely real fun. Now, real quick before we get to, to sort of the the new album, talk a little bit about it. You know, I mentioned Foxfire. We talked a little bit about that. That was sort of your first sort of foray into a really like you could say serious band of doing uh, you know bigger shows and whatnot. And you were together for about three years. What, what would you say as far as when you were in that band that you learned? going forward for music in general like what was the big sort of takeaway when you when you guys sort of left foxfire to say all right this is what i know about the you know the music world the music industry being a musician yeah honestly um i probably didn't know near as much then as i do now (laughs) it's insane back back then it was like let's write an awesome song, try to get some festivals booked. Yeah. You know, release it uh, through DistroKid or whatever. And now it's like, okay, I'm social networking. Who do I need to call? Like getting in touch with all these different people on, on press ends. I, I meet people that inspire me because they're even running their own press. Yeah. Um, run promotion before shows. Like for the most part, I had a hard enough time just, you know, finding out who I needed to go through with this, uh, with this, re- you know, re- most recent campaign and oh yeah, yeah. I mean, even the like DistroKid's a piece of cake, but uh, for anybody that's ever used CD Baby, they they try to make you go through like these different loops, and it seems like you gotta you gotta pay for a Spotify pre-save campaign, which which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, Everybody so wants like, their piece. Yeah, I'm like, just make it easy for me to put it in my email and send it to my mailing list. Is it nope. insane to interrupt your uh, your grassroots process? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's amazing how, you know, over the last several years, the streaming process was like, okay, we're going to make everybody, it's going to be viable for everybody. And now it's become harder and harder to actually have that album release that you want in the way that you would want it uh in you know and notify everybody that you would want to release it so steph yeah the advice i was getting back in 2011 was i guess kind of similar to the time of the fall of like cds so yeah really it really wasn't like completely different yeah advice now you can hop on youtube but these folks are just like pretty good you just don't want to fall down like the rabbit trail of uh of internet promotion yeah you know, like it's different i get it even emails now and, it, and i'm just like you you guys are asking me if i want distribution after i've already <laughs> after it, i've so. distri- <laughs> yeah oh yeah everybody wants to jump in well now uh between that time of 
uh, Foxfire and the release of this album, I mean, w- one of the huge things you've mentioned, you've alluded to a little bit, obviously, uh, you, you've been raising a family. You, you have two daughters. And I got to say, in some of the pictures there on Instagram, they, they, have, they have that look. They have the look that they know how to get into some childhood mischief. Is there uh, are they? They see. They seem like they're a, a bit of a handful. Are they a little bit of a handful or no? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think I'll tell you the truth. I don't even think I've written a a love song since my kids were were born. You know? <laughs> Wild. Like that. That time of my life is is. Uh, I'm still playing those old ones because I'm just like you know those were good enough. <laughs> I've, got, I've got like real. You know what I mean? That that uh, that John Prine kind of songwriting. Yeah, really to develop after so many years of being with your children and and developing like who you are while you're watching them grow up because they're changing you into a you know a more patient person or you know pretty much what you kind of need to be to Eat. have you know, <laughs> either <laughs> to e- either patient or insane. Yes, one of the two. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we have we have to block out time just to. Just to be able to relax, because yeah, we yeah, they get into some mischief. It's it's pretty awesome. Feathers, she was, uh, she catches black snakes and stuff in the in the yard because we've got a we got an anaconda, not an anaconda, a ball python, mm-hmm. little baby anaconda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got one of those little ones, and then uh, she plays with that thing all the time. But she started bringing these five <laughs> five foot, six foot black snakes, and I mean they're a real hoss, you know. I that the she was trying to pick it up, and it was just so heavy. But eventually, she started handling it. Uh, she's caught three cents and each time she does it's like a three-day process where we like she catches it she gets excited then she gets it used to it and it gets used to her and then she'll cuddle it and then she'll cry because she's got to let it go and say, I'm, we're not gonna house a black snake this size and, and, and not, none of them have bit her yet no no none of them have been nice her. man she's good. she watches youtube she's she, she she's the snake the- whisperer all right oh yeah not nice. Uh, that's that's uh, that's it's a rough biz. At, le- at, le- at least it's non-poisonous. That's good. Stick stick with the non-poisonous uh, snakes. We used to get worried because she would uh, she would do it at three years old with lizards, trying to find the lizards, and so she started bringing these lizards right when she first turned three. Mm-hmm. And we were like, this is a copperhead place, you know. There's a <laughs> yeah. lot, of especially at the house I was living at like five years ago. So. We were getting kind of worried, and we started teaching her how to identify copperheads because that's specifically what she was going to find there. Yeah, and that's exactly what she was going to find. And eventually, she she was only twenty yards from my wife, and uh, she just told her there was a copperhead. Nice, and just stayed yeah, stay, called, stayed clear of it. Yeah, we just called it in. Had it had it taken away from the the property, but I'm sure there's like hundreds there. Oh yeah, oh <laughs> that, yeah. From that day on, I figured, you know what, she's more likely to find one than I am because she's actually looking for it. I'd, I'd get bit. I've walked right over timber rattler before. I was about to say, I'm I'm, su- I'm super impressed by her spotting ability. That's awesome. Like, yeah. me and my brother used to love doing that as a kid, but we were horrible at it. We'd go into the woods, you know, and be like, all right, you see anything? And they're probably just crawling all around us. And we were like, no, no, I don't see anything at all. Like, so. Oh, yeah. Shoot, you're not kidding. I, I bought eight inch high danners just so I could go fishing with them and uh, not have to worry so much because I'm <laughs> looking at the leaves and stuff and I'll start to spook myself. As yeah. I'm through to go fishing. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, it's uh, those, those copperheads can definitely just blend in completely, and you don't see them at all. Uh, it's it's uh, oof, yeah. Well, maybe she's got a maybe she's got a, a career as a you know a, a herptologist there. Who knows? Maybe so. We listen to Ray Wiley Hubbard like every week, almost every day. Nice. And she wants the snake farm. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay. She's obsessed with that song, man. So, so uh, you don't see uh, maybe music, but m- more leaning towards the the science field, huh? Yeah, probably. Nice. Yep. Nice. Well, well, uh, let's let's go on to the the album you did. I mean, you you mentioned it several times, and and you were just talking about like distribution. I saw on social media you actually kick around the name several years ago right you had it on on line there probably four or five years ago when did you first start thinking of the release and like the album name the concept of aesop finn as far as like the song and whatnot um i think as a concept album it was five years ago Mm. probably um i started up a page uh trying to get that going had so, some really interesting time with that, just getting used to this virtual world because for, I mean, for five years, I really was just swinging the hammer. The most I knew about my phone was Facebook and, well, you know. Yeah. It, it's insane. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely was a... So long, a long time coming. Long time yeah. coming. Well, how, how do you... How do you manage expectations when it has been that because i mean i know building up something like that for me if it's been five years it's it's like it's hard not to want to see it just skyrocket or something when it comes out but you got to know you know what you're sort of up against so what are you expecting what were you thinking when coming up to this release i wasn't really sure what to expect five years ago Mm -hmm. i think i started realizing what to expect for like the first three out of the last five so the last Mm. two i've just been in go mode really fast kind of knew what i was doing Mm -hmm. for the most part and sometimes i would get passed around from like uh one service to another so like i'm really glad i landed with ivpr because i ended up getting passed on from somebody else i mean great people there yeah that kind of stuff was helpful over the last two years but back i guess early on I had no idea yeah. um, what to expect at all. I, I just, I was with the goat band, Pretty Little Goat. Yeah. Um, we did a lot of old time tunes, some good gigs, uh, cut a record with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we played Firefly Festival, actually got the Treehouse stage, which nice. was huge. Yeah. Yeah, that was all thanks to COVID. We were supposed to play at the gate, then we got bumped from the gate to supper clubs, which is like for the VIP folks. And then we got bumped from the sucker clubs to the to the treehouse stage wow. because of just the liability of COVID. And we were like, "All right, that's you know, this is fantastic." So yeah. I don't know that that was great. I got to watch Brandon Flowers from the Killers. Um, I studied his ass. <laughs> I did. It was crazy. It was the most insane show I've ever seen. Uh, hardly the same amount of of lights and and just you know functioning stage parts that you would expect at a show yeah. uh, it's really you know good classic americana when you think about it and good showmanship 
Oh yeah, uh, and then play. Yeah, it was insane. I mean, Except, it, of course, it, it's amazing how much overlap there is in all of sort of your different genres of Americana and just uh, all American music. And uh, you know, even yeah. even though like it, that's uh, Brandon Brandon and I was actually talking just uh, to a, another group, the Rex, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and. You know they covered Rich Girl from uh, from Hall and Oates, and I, yeah. I and I I told him you know that's what Brandon Flower said was that if you want to if you want to know how to write a pop song, you go to that song. You go to Rich Girl. It's got everything to understand in a in a pop song, but like you know there there's just so much as far as like you said putting on a show, putting uh, putting together songwriting presentation everything that you can yeah. definitely learn from from the killers that's for sure and joy yeah yeah it's insane what that can do every every one of his show was over the moon down in dasani dragon waters it was totally different experience than their previous act was a uh, cage the elephant yeah passed out before he got on the stage wow that was like, this is impressive you know it's hard to keep it up and i just thought like power to the man for working through it and, and making it about the exercise and about the fun and the people you know a hundred percent a hundred percent well now uh the album does you, you got a lot of uh a, a lot of cool artists on the album with you uh i i guess the biggest would be woody platt uh from from steep canyon rangers uh on quiver You've also got still guitarist uh, uh, Jackson Delaney there and uh, and Ryan Stigman. Uh, all of these are, you know, big players in the area there. Did you, when you started five years ago, did you see them being on the album? Or was that one of those like, oh, wow, this is really cool that this happened? Uh, yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of like that. I just, um, I think right about year, the second year into the, you know, little mind production I was doing. I did some carpentry for uh, Woody, mm-hmm. and I asked him uh, if he would do some vocals on it because I'm really picky about vocals. Yeah, and um, you know, I like to to sing stuff pretty loud at the same time. And I don't know. I just thought he great mix for that tune. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I, I was actually more happy with the live with the live session we did at echo than than the record even oh yeah and and yeah we we uh set it up he walked in the studio and did the the first cut for for quiver and and it was uh kind of just like this nice <laughs> I had a little laptop out with a little scarlet on it and a preamp uh next to it and then some uh it's a nice vocal mic i think it was a sm7b yeah but yeah pretty simple um you know, good time. Most of the work for that stuff was really in the uh, in the production uh, room, I guess, the mixing room. Yeah, there was a lot we did for this record to kind of blend it. It was a lot. <laughs> that's, I mean, yeah. that that's awesome. That though he can, you know, uh, I mean, that basically he's willing to take a, a shot like that of you just being like, "Hey, you think you'd be open for doing vocals on this? Sure, let's give it a yeah. shot." Like, I mean, you know, it helps. He. he he was listening to us back when I was doing the Foxfire stuff, and I would always get little comments like, "Hey, man, I really like this song. Uh, that nice. has a really good tune. I I like what you're doing." Blah. Uh, it used to give us little pointers. Uh, he got us the gig at Palisades, which was great when we were in the Foxfire. Yeah, uh, stuff like. That. 
We yeah, I think we even lined up a whole radio tour in Colorado thanks to uh, some of his tips. So that you never know, we, you never know. Yeah, you never know the help. It's always. I mean, that's uh, uh, when we had when we had Town Mountain on the the show, and they. Uh, you know, Tyler Childers used to come to their shows all the time, and it was sort of just like this weird redheaded kid that would always show up at their their shows in Kentucky, and they were they were nice to him and, and whatnot, and he'd always come back and be like, "Hey, I learned this song of yours. Hey, I learned this song." They're like, "Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, keep 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 trying. Yeah, that's nice." And then they came back. He came back one day and uh, started playing them some of his own songs, and they went. Oh, this guy's gonna be really good. This guy, this guy's, gonna, and you know, now that uh, uh, he's hit his stride, he's the reason that they've played uh, Red Rocks like five times and a bunch of other things like that. So, you never, you never know on those connections. It can really, really help out, obviously. And it came out to be a super cool tune after that production. I mean, Quiver's got such a good sound. We're gonna hear it after after this interview so people are gonna hear it but uh it's uh yeah really really good song and he did he nailed those vocals and for the listeners out there who haven't seen the video i think it's just it's it's a cool start that that cut where it's just sort of down at the ground and you just hear him say sing it man and then yeah. he comes out it's it's uh i definitely like it it's a, it's a it's a good feel to it a good live feel to the to the uh video um, yeah. But now the the album the album obviously it is like you said there it's thematic there there's there's fable to it there's a story to it but there is a little bit of reality or at least inspiration to some reality there uh, like Carolina Still I, I heard there's sort of inspiration of uh, great grandfather Gus Gus was a moonshiner huh <laughs> I don't know he <laughs> was. <laughs> He was a horse freak. Uh, he loved moonshine. He was from, <laughs> Bar- from Barnardsville, so he he's just you know local mountain man. Mm. And yeah, I did I did write that tune um, for him because I just remember my grandpa. I, he was always saying like, "Your great grandpa, your great grandpa said never to drink that moonshine. Your great grandpa said this. He said it all the time." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's just like. <laughs> methyl gas or whatever will cause you to go blind and uh back then i mean i'm they were they were using radiators to make uh, that stuff oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so the stuff he was my grand my great grandfather was drinking from his neighbors was i mean yeah <laughs> well now do you ever do you ever uh partake in in moonshine you ever like oh, yeah. The actual real deal stuff, because I always find it funny how, like, I do love that you know now you have these companies that say it's moonshine. You're like, but it's not really moonshine. It's just white whiskey that you're selling because the whole thing of moonshine is is that it's 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 made locally and not taxed. So you're taking it through total wine here and selling it. It's a little bit different, but. Do you? Do well, you, also, a lot of those companies don't even make a nice mash. Yeah, so so like, you 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 have the local connections that are actual real. Oh yeah, yeah. It's there's even uh, distilleries kind of close to here, uh, but I I think they have sugar written on their jar because I, I was wondering. I was like, it doesn't taste really like that good. Um, <laughs> corn really makes the best. Core mash, yeah. Mm-hmm. So so much better. I mean, even Tito's vodka is like 
<laughs> if you can't get local moonshine, go buy Tito's vodka almost before going to get the you know, the, moonshine for the fake board. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The little sm- oh, smoky. Yeah. Um, you see that yeah. everywhere now. We actually drank it back to back because that albino skunk. Um, I had it given to me by a patron who, who uh, got a family connection in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here drinking this this South Carolina corn mash, and it was like so good. I mean, we kept calling it baby whiskey the whole time because it was just, I mean, it's real homemade. You could literally taste it like it was like a fresh piece of corn. Mm-hmm. It was insane. And it was about 100 proof, but it, I mean, it almost didn't even feel like it. Didn't burn. Not, I mean, it burned, but no, you know what I mean. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like, wow, that's some gasoline. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I definitely enjoy that more than, more than any other, uh, hard liquor, I think. Nice. It's always white and corn for me though. Cause I, I tend to, to drink water and liquor. Uh, and be, so. Gotcha. Well, yeah, you also, uh, highway 64, um, which is on the album. I mean, that's running the idea of running that liquor, uh, running that moonshine. Growing up here, I thought that that was what they were doing. I thought, <laughs> so I watched Thunder Road as a kid. I thought that they were loading up this, you know, into, into their, uh, 50 Chevrolet and like taking this, this moonshine, just like wherever, <laughs> you know, uh, maybe it was a Buick. I can't remember, but they were just taking it on highway 64 mm-hmm. in my mind and driving it just straight it's all happening in my mind i thought they were driving it to to look out mountain mm-hmm. i swear and i would watch i would watch thunder road because they took a cop car and they drove it off of uh the toxway falls and this is like right by my house yeah so it's about a mile from here um and so i had a secondary video of that as well it, uh, it's like a Tran- transylvania historic film mm-hmm. and they put that it was like a second camera angle of this cop car just rolling <laughs> from for the video and and it, I mean even the movie's set in a totally different location geographically, yeah. but but for for up you know yeah. in my head it was it was all planned out. There was like a whole thing going on there. You've been thinking um, about that one for a while. Yeah, that's that was pretty big inspiration behind that tune for sure. Because mm. I just uh, absolutely love that that movie, and I I definitely love Moonshine. So <laughs> I it's it's an exciting theme. I mean, you know, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. Well. Now you're you're obviously celebrating the release of the album, but like you said, it's it's you know you you it sounds like you've already got ideas in the works. So what what's sort of the the next steps? Like as far as I mean, you know, obviously you probably don't have it planned out uh, that much since it just came out. But what what do you see yourself uh, uh, doing as far as music projects that are coming up? Uh, like more albums? Or yeah. Just well, just in with- general. Just uh, what's what's the plan? Is it uh, in in the near future? Is it is it all focused on touring? Is it uh, is it uh, recording? What are we doing? Um, I really want to do some more recording. Financially, I should probably stick with paying for radio promo, <laughs> and then kind of uh, locking in some tour dates. Yeah. Um, so really, just trying to get a tour booked is the most important thing. Second, second thing would be um, cutting or starting to cut the album that I've got and trying to get that, you know, ready for its. Because uh, I don't want to cut a demo. Yeah. Uh, really don't. I don't want to cut a demo and be like, "Hey, 
rounder or new west records like let's i want to produce another record i know that the lyrics are better than mm. the last one mm. uh, the song's meanings are better than the last one um so i'm i'm really excited about cutting this record and i don't really care how it happens but i really do care how it gets distributed and i really do care how the next record is going to be um promoted um and how it's going to be uh written about yeah emotionally spiritually and intellectually when i write an album or even a song it has nothing to do with any of that other stuff but then once i spend a specific amount of dollars on putting that song into the 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 picture frame that i wanted to wrap it in I think about the picture frame just as much like I'm building it by hand, I'm crafting it, it's grassroots. And like I'm an intense that process. <laughs> well, you know? I mean you 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 want everybody else too that you work with to take it that seriously. Obviously, you don't want to surround yourself with you don't, you don't want to put all that effort, that love, that care into the songs and then people go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll try to we're going to market it and stuff. We'll put it out there. We'll do things." So yeah, yeah, I definitely went with CD Baby instead of 1RPM because the guy called and I was like, you haven't even listened to the record yet? <laughs> I was like, we'll talk later. You can call me after you hear it. They never called back, so I was like, oh, we'll just wait for the next round. Yeah, you got... We'll you, take another stab at it after the radio campaign. Well, and you got, you, you got, like I said, you got great folks over at IVPR. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're, 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 they're straight up professionals and they are fantastic at what they do. So... You know, yeah. you, you got at least you got at least one group in your corner that's uh, that's doing their job and taking it as serious as you, and uh, you know you've got a great album out there in the world now that uh, folks can listen to, and uh, you can build off of it for the next one. I can't wait to can't wait to hear the next one. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited about it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, uh, Barrett. We can't wait for the next album, but we are up against a break. I want to thank you for coming on the show and talking with us today. Thank you. It's so nice to meet you. Yeah. Listeners, you can check out all things Barrett at his website, barrettdavismusic.com. You can stream all of his music on all streaming services, Spotify, iTunes, all of that. You can go on YouTube, watch those fantastic videos. Right now, let's take a listen to Quiver right here on the Doc G Show.
Here on the Doc G Show, you just heard Barrett Davis. That was a fantastic song, Quiver, right here on the Doc G Show. Thanks to Barrett Davis for being on the show, Mike. I do think his daughter could be a herptologist there. I think she could start uh, hunting snakes, man. Hunting snakes. And, and Sounds like she's good at it. And while, I, while I was off the air there, I would say I like to come across the story that uh, Florida, in Florida, uh, South Florida, Mike, uh, 19-year-old just won the 10-day competition for the most Burmese pythons caught over that 10-day period. Sweet. Any guess how many you think? Don't overshoot it. Don't think too many. Hmm. Eight? I don't know. Okay, you undershot it. 28. 28. 28. Yeah, yeah. 28. There were a 1,000 participants that, oh, that joined shit. in That's this uh, this Burmese python hunt. Uh, 32 states and Canada and Latvia. Latvia wow. was involved. One of our listeners. I was about to say, <laughs> hopefully it was our listener that decided to do this. I do want to meet that dude or lady that came all the way to, to Florida from Latvia to hunt some pythons. I am uh, the best snake. You know, I'll just go down there, check it out. But Matt, the 19-year-old, caught 28 Burmese pythons 10 days, which is Ugh, ridiculous man, that's because this, Mike, that's over 10% of the pythons caught by everybody in this competition. What? The 1,000 hmm. participants only caught 231 pythons. He caught over 10% of the pythons himself. 
I got to say, some of those participants really weren't carrying their weight, man. <laughs> <laughs> they really weren't getting anything done. Like, this dude's over here getting 28. You can't get a single one. What's wrong with you guys? Yeah, what is wrong? But I was to get the 28. He needs to share these. Oh, he, he shared it. He basically found it was like a canal, and he found the way that they were moving into the water at night, and he was finding smaller ones. And, yeah, he just kept racking them up, man. At daybreak and dusk. Good. Yeah, it's good. a good thing. Get him out of here. Good thing, man. I'm just saying. Barrett's daughter needs to get in this. It, yeah, you do. yeah she, she does. She can, she can jump in this. She'll be the youngest uh, competitor, and she'll dominate it. She will yeah. dominate it. Although she seems... Doing a good thing. She seems to be yeah. a friend of the snake she finds, which we're going to have to convince uh, yeah. her that these are enemy snakes. Yeah, these are enemies. These are snakes these are we don't snakes. want. And if, if we do want them, we need to send them back to uh, Burma, better known as mm -hmm. Myanmar. We need to send them back to their home country. They are invasive species that we don't need. Yeah. Speaking of animals, Mike, we need to move on to the fastest growing segment in the world. The Doc G Top 3. That is correct. That is correct. Mike, this yes. one was pretty hard, and I actually found this hard because it was hard for me to judge terrifying with animals. So I said, like, you know, we wanted to list the top three most terrifying animals to you, right? And I think the reason I found this difficult is I don't come face-to-face -face with a lot of animals, like in a death match, you know? There's not, like, mm -hmm. a lot of times that I'm just in front of an animal. And then I started saying, well, like, I just guess I got to take it off of face value. Because, like, I started then thinking, like, maybe I should say I'm literally, like, in an octagon and I have to fight this thing. Because then there would be a lot of other, like, I'd probably have, like, you know, hippopotamus up there. And I definitely have, yeah. like, tiger on there. That thing would kill you instantly yeah for right? sure for sure so like i uh you got to take that into factor i just did like on face value when i think of these things out there they they sort of terrify me just like yikes that's scary you know not yeah. like if i was faced with them to fight them so just take that as a little precursor hmm. but now that I've said my piece on that, Mike, go ahead, give me, I think you had some honorable mentions. Hmm. Yeah, uh, all ocean life. Um, Ocean's scary, and... man. It's dark, it's deep, it's wide. There's all kinds of things in there. You don't yeah. know where they're coming from. It's their yeah, even territory. Like you think of innocent stuff, uh, anemones or seahorses, like they're even poisonous, like yeah. or venomous like things. Like you can't even touch them. You don't yeah. even want to get within mm -hmm. the vicinity of the... Uh, it's like they, it's, the they water spikes, they're emitting. The yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you're putting um, those on honorable mention or is it uh, just everything on your list? Is okay. I, okay. I've so, got two yeah. semi-ocean <laughs> things. I've got, uh, what, give, okay. give me your honorable mentions. Uh, and then the other one was crocodiles, but see, I don't know. That like, was honorable okay, mention so or was that top three? That would be an honorable mention. Okay. Crocodiles, I've seen them in real life. They're I've massive. Seen how they move. They're fast. They, the they're massive. The, yeah. And when they, they run. when they or well, and when they're like when they sneak up though, when they launch, that's some frightening yeah. stuff. And that's some frightening stuff. Okay, Mike. Yeah. Give me your number three. What do we have? Piranhas. Piranhas. That is pretty Piranhas. terrifying. 
Yeah. That is, that is terrifying to think that you have got a drop of blood in there. They feel that. They, they sense that blood, and a hundred of them come and just tear and you apart. And destroy you. It's yes. amazing. I don't know. Do you ever watch River Monsters, Mike? Mm. Oh, yeah, man. I was a huge fan of that show. I, mean, I haven't watched it recently. Mike, yeah. I've, try, I've tried to get Jeremy Wade on this show so many times, you don't even know. In so <laughs> many amazing. different ways. I, w- I, could, I could just listen him narrate my life. I love his... I love his British accent. I love yeah, his intense, great. insane stare. I love everything about him. And he is such yeah. a massive fisher. My God, he's so, so passionate. Good. Yeah. yeah so impressive. Like, I mean, honestly, yeah. I, I know obviously they stage, like, as far as, like, there's several, several days of filming. But, like, to catch that giant of a fish in that amount of time? Yeah. Super impressive. Anyways, yeah, did you see when he like tested out the piranhas and he put a full chicken in there and like in like two minutes it was nothing literally but just bones? No, but now I want to watch this YouTube. Yeah, clip. go find it. He literally yeah, puts down a chicken it. and it's just like, ah! oh, and then there's nothing. It's just, yeah, it's frightening. It's frightening, man. Ugh. Number three for me, honorable mention on your list, Mike, crocodiles. Yeah. Crocodiles. They are like, ooh, yikes. I mean, I don't have any other like huge animals on my list, but that's a huge animal that's got an attitude problem. And it doesn't yeah. mind eating humans at all. Like, they are completely no. fine with just ripping your arm off or yeah, just eating care. you whole. Doesn't matter. And those saltwater crocodiles, those things can get so massive. They're huge. Did you ever see any of those uh, crocodile, uh, crocodile hunter? Um, ah, Steve Irwin. Yeah, he crocodile hunter. The song. Yeah, yeah, crocodile hunter. Yeah. Oh, wow, I totally thought that was not the name. No, of that's it. Show. That's it, man. Uh, yeah, no, nah, his saltwater crocodile. Yeah, and he would just go to, up to him and yeah. tap him on the face, and they'd swing over to him and be like, "Oh, she's angry," and you're like, "Yeah, she's gonna bite your <laughs> off, man." <laughs> Get out of there! Get out of there! Like they just it's wild. I'm more, I, like I said, I'm more frightened by the ambush. I'm not really frightened too much. I mean, I know they can run fast, but like, I feel like I could jump up in a tree or at least something, you know, like get yeah. a stick and hit them in the face to sort of thwart them before they come. But like, I'm more frightened about me being a gazelle going up to the edge of the water and being like, oh, oh lovely day. Ah, so Jesus, <laughs> no, you know, like that's more what uh, I'm concerned with. Yeah. That frightens me. Anyways, yeah, Mike, sure. your number two. Uh, my number two was actually, you mentioned it, but the hippos. Mm. Um, I've, I am, I've always been very scared of hippos but then in more recent years there have been a lot of videos of hippos and how like physical they are how quick they are in the water like they just they just defy physics like they are so they don't look strong but they really are strong they're very powerful oh, they're, they're quick they're, they're animals just, they're, they're a not giant of tank they are a yeah, tank they're, they're not they're scared of crocodiles right. they'll go in the no, water and they'll be like they don't care my way man yeah, and it's just like, and the crocodile's like, "You got it. I can't. Yeah, yeah, I'm out. I can't get I'll this dude. Like, you know, this guy outweighs me by two thousand pounds. They're t- yeah, they're 
their teeth are like literally like five, six inches, just solid, just giant. Yeah. It's crazy, oh. man. Have you seen the one, uh, the video of the one eating the, the watermelon? I love watching them eat watermelons. Oh, oh it's super gosh. fun. That's super fun. It's like, I, I actually, it's, like it's funny. Grape. It's actually, I just told my parents about that because it reminds me of watching cows eat apples on a much larger level. Because it's the same yeah. thing. Like, cows will do the same thing. They'll put the whole apple in their mouth and just... Yeah, they just eat the whole thing. And that's no the same issue. thing with those those hippopotamus. You throw them a giant melon and they'll just get it in their mouth and just... Boosh! And just yeah. chomp down on it. Impressive. My, yeah. my number two also in the water, Portuguese Man of War. Jeez. Ooh, yeah. Those are oh god! Like you know, have you ever been hit by a jellyfish? Bad, Mike? No, no way, no. But you know, I've it's seen, not pleasant. Seen the photos. It is not and, pleasant, and, Mike. Yeah, it looks not. Good. I, I didn't have a horrible one, but like it went on my back and it went on my. Oh, you got you were you had. It wasn't a. An it incident. wasn't a Portuguese man of war. It was a jellyfish. Right. But I was uh, yeah, yeah. I was I was boogie boarding back in the day. I was probably like I don't know. I think it's like fifteen or something like that. And uh, it, it hit my it hit my back and it hit the back of my legs and ow oh. ow it is not pleasant Ay. Mike a lot of times after that I got really small ones like where it would just hit a little part of you and that's not bad you can get over that fairly that's basically like a bee sting but when they start getting okay. big ooh ooh every every square centimeter that it touches your body it feels like a bee sting. So if you've got like you know yeah. several several inches of tentacle on you, oh. it is a unpleasant situation. That's Anyways, Mike, number one on your list. Hmm. Well, number one, probably not an animal. Well, I don't. Maybe it isn't. But uh, any kind of amoeba, lake, lake, uh, the stuff that you see in a thousand ways to die. That one um, where. You, the kid just goes in the ocean or the lake and uh, he comes out and uh, yeah, his brain gets, ah, oh, I did actually have a different one, but I also don't think, sorry, Dr. G, I have okay. two tapeworms okay. and it just came to me and uh, any, the amoebas. So anything that can get into your body, again, these are just probably not animals and I probably messed uh, up amoeba, the, uh, amoeba the top Amoeba uh, qualifies, one. they would be classified as the protist in the protist uh, kingdom, not in an animal. Kingdom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I. Um, but tapeworm. Okay. Tapeworm well, yeah, qualifies. That is uh, terrifying and, and very gross. Yes. Yeah. I, I would not want a, a tapeworm. That's for sure. Nope. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, that is you. So uh, those those are like those those are sort of quiet predators. You know, it's a lot. I yeah. can see how that would be frightening. Well, I don't go in lakes. I just refuse to go in lakes. That's why I, I don't go in lakes. I don't. I don't do lake stuff. I don't. I You'll don't, never see me in the lake. I don't. Re, I don't refuse to do that. But uh, yeah. Maybe, well, most people don't. I, I have. Uh, maybe I should. Maybe I should. Mike, yeah. my number one, Goliath bird eating tarantula. Ew. Ooh. They skiv, scare the living bejesus out of me. Mm. Those things are massive. They are ma They're bigger than a dinner plate, man. There's a video of really? one taking away a possum. Taking away a possum. Ooh, I need to watch this. Dragging a possum away as a bird, man. I, or sorry, as a spider. It's just frightening. 
frightening. And they're basically their fangs, they liquefy the insides of whatever eats them. Oh. Uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. They are terrifying spiders, Mike. They are terrifying Doc spiders. Doc what's the name of that thing again? Goliath Bird Eater. Ew. And it's called a bird eater because they literally eat birds. Mm, that's terrifying. Go ahead and Google that oh, and be terrified. You. Can't wait. Yeah, it's frightening. Looking forward to it. Anyways, Mike, <laughs> that is our Doc G Top 3. I'm going to need you to do some research, listeners and Mike, for the next Doc G Top 3 because you probably don't have three on your mind. But I want you to hmm. go out there and find them. Because it's okay. an important one. This is what I want you to do, Mike. Your top right. three national parks. Okay. What are your top three United States national parks? Give them to me. That's what I want. <laughs> do some research. Right. Go out there. I'm sure you can probably name three national parks now. Not that you traveled to. Just in general. Maybe someday you want to travel to them. I guess you would if they're in your top three. So... Yes. That's what sure. that's what we want, Mike. That's what we're going for All next right. week. There we go. Cool. Mike, got two birthday suits left over. We've got a historical figure and uh we've got a rapper. Which one you want first? Hmm. Let's go with the one I'll probably get wrong, the historical figure. Yeah, I'm guessing like a five percent on this one. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm thinking. Born I'm on thinking. November second, seventeen thirty four. In Olay Valley of Pennsylvania to a family of mm. Quakers. He was the mm. sixth of 11 children. Our birthday suit wearer learned to hunt from frontiersmen and Native Americans. And by the age of 15, he was one of the best hunters in the region. During the French and Indian War, he joined the North Carolina militia as a teamster and a blacksmith. After the war, he focused on fur trading. In 1769, he made his first trip to Kentucky, loving the hunting there. In 1770s, he founded a ta- uh, several towns in Kentucky. In 1781, he was elected as a representative to the Virginia General Assembly. After the Revolutionary War ended, our birthday suit wear opened a tavern in Maysville, Kentucky. Our birthday suit wears uh, 50th bur- on sorry. On our birthday suit wearer's 50th birthday, John Filson published The Discovery, Settlement, and Present State of Kentucky, which popularized our birthday suit wearer's adventures and explorations. In 1799, he fled Kentucky because of rising uh, debt, and he moved to Missouri, which at the time was out of the country. It was Spanish Louisiana at the time. Our birthday suit wearer died in 1820 at the age of 86, which at the time was basically 450 years old. Name our birthday suit wearer. Jim Beam. (laughs) Actually, I'm going to say that's not that bad. You know, you had the Kentucky relationship. You had an old, you know what? That's all right, Mike. I'll give you you 10% for that. Uh, Thank you. Daniel Boone. Ah, Daniel Boone. Yeah, the old skin, the old sco- uh, coonskin cap fella. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I actually had one of those hats. Yeah. From Disney World. Yeah, Daniel yeah, Boone. I thought they were cool. There you go. They're not bad, you know. Yeah, Although you feel yeah. bad for the trash panda that died from it, if it's a real yeah. coonskin cap. But, anyways, yeah, uh, Daniel probably Boone. Was, it probably was. Yeah, probably, probably so. Uh, Disney. 
Uh, you never know. Florida. Watch out. They're crazy, man. Every now and then, I'll see I'll see a, pan, uh, a trash panda run by my window. And not really run, you know? They do that little <clears throat> jaunt. They just sort of... Yeah, whatever they do. They sort yeah, of gallop thing. back and forth with their yeah. front hand sort of up. And they're like, hey, what's going on? You seen any good trash lately? I'm going to keep going. Like, they're just... They're goofy. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Mike, are you ready for the next one? Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, what do you got? Born in Austin, Texas on November 2nd, 1974. Our birthday suit wearer's father was in the Air Force and his parents divorced when he was seven. When he was 13, his family moved to St. Louis. In high school, our birthday suit wearer became really interested in rap. He formed a group with his friends Ali, Murphy Lee, Kiwan, and Slowdown. They called themselves the St. Lunatics. In 1999, our birthday suit wearer was signed as a solo artist. His first single came out in 1999 titled Country Grammar, which peaked at number seven on the Hot 100. His album soon came out after titled Country Grammar. It had several popular songs including EI, Ride With Me, Batter Up. It went uh, on to go nine times platinum. Nine times platinum. Not long after that, he uh, performed at the Super Bowl in 2001. In 2002, he released his second album, which debuted at number one with the lead single, Hotten Her, and the single, Work It, the single, Air Force Ones, the single, Pimp Juice, and the single, Number One. It went on to sell over six times platinum. He performed at the Super Bowl again in 2003. He then released a double album in 2004 titled Sweatsuit, with the biggest single being Grills. He released four more albums since then, including this past year's Heartland, but none of them have reached the success of the first two albums. Name that birthday suit wearer. Nelly. Nelly. Yes, indeed. Nelly. Oh, man. That country grammar, man. That album was hot. Yeah, I'm going to have to have a, a listening sesh after the show, Doc G. It was hot sure. in the streets, man. Yeah, he killed it. He killed it. Re- that was amazing. I remember I was in history class, ninth grade in history class. Travis Campbell came in just bumping that country grammar, and I was like, that is hot. So true. What is yeah. that? What's it, yeah. What's going on in these streets? Oh, country grammar? I'm getting it. I am getting it. Yeah. Yeah, good good stuff, man. And I'll and Ride with me. Ride with me was my song. Yeah, that was my jam. That's a jam that right there. That was just That's a beautiful. Jam. That was a beautiful song. I might say Air Force 1s. That that takes yeah. me back to some memories of basketball camp right there. Yeah. That's some basketball okay. camp memories. Young Bucks out there, go listen to those albums. You may think they're stupid, but trust me, they're pretty good for back in the day. They're good stuff. For sure. They're good stuff. Happy birthday to Nelly. He's turning, uh, let's see, what is he turning? He's turning 40. 43. No, uh, sort of close. 48. 48. 48. Yeah, looks good for 48. Staying in shape. Yeah. Staying in shape. Uh, Lost the Band-Aid below the eye. No longer does (laughs) that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No longer. I'm not sure where that came from, but... Anyways, happy birthday to Nelly. Happy birthday to Daniel Boone. And of course, David Schwimmer. Say what? David Schwimmer. Mike, we have got some fantastic shows coming up. We have the terrific 
group Ann Arbor coming on the show. A great band huh, out, out of yeah. Arizona. They are terrific. Millions of monthly listeners. Very well-established group. Can't wait to talk to both the fellas in the group they're going to be on. It's going to be a good time. So true. Uh, Mike, I think I spoke too soon on a couple of the ones that I said I'm pretty sure will happen because I don't think they're going to happen. So Girl, come on. we're going to keep working some some kinks out on some upcoming shows, and I'll let you know once we've got it in the date book. And then if, right, they, bet. And then if they cancel, Mike, it's all on them. That's a fact. It's yeah. all on them. And guess what? We denounce them then after that happens. We are Pretty no, much. We are no longer riding with them. We are not riding with them, Mike. Nope. We are turning Unfollow. the Nelly off. <laughs> Nelly has no longer played for that group. Nope. Anyways, Mike, can't wait till next week, but we got to wrap it up. Until then, I have been your host, Doc G, with me, as always, the one, the only, the associate holding, notorious, Mikey Maximus, <laughs> the Furnicus, show rats. Always a pleasure, Doc G. Thank you for having me. Of course. Love the show. Of course. And until next week, zip it up. And zip it out. Zip it out.